0: Hello and welcome back to Absurdity. My name is Ryan Becker and I am joined by our elegant co-host Henry Johnson. And we are thrilled today. Not really. Actually, we're pretty bummed about this one. Um, But it is an important one for us to do and that is simply because on Absurdity we talk about all things absurd in religion, culture, and society and one of the true tests of the integrity of this show is that we're willing to do it when the absurdity happens in our own backyard. Correct. And we have talked a lot about things happening in the evangelical world. We've talked a lot about things happening in the cult-ish world. Uh, we've talked about, I mean, just this, just last year we did two episodes on the, the Josh Duggar stuff, which is religiously tied. And it's easy to criticize when it's, when it's outside, but it's a lot harder to criticize and, and be a hundred percent honest when you have to look in, in the mirror a little bit. Now, when we say that though, we're not saying Henry and I did something dumb, but rather uh the something is happening in the denomination that we belong to, which is the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And we felt it important that we don't stay quiet about it, but rather we, we, we talk about it too. So uh yeah, it's you may have heard about it because it actually made rounds outside of Adventism. And if you, if you haven't, then we'll give you some background too. But I am, Henry, do you want to, for those who have no idea what Adventism is, (laughs) can you give like a, like a good luck, 30 second synopsis or a minute synopsis of like what this denomination actually is?
1: All right. This is way oversimplified, but the short is it is a denomination that came out of a, the great, second great awakening in the United States in the 1840s and 50s, primarily in something called the Millerite movement that was started by a lay Baptist preacher. And he believed through his study of the scriptures that the second coming of Jesus was imminent. And his followers came out of a lot of different denominations at that time, although it was primarily bankrolled, interestingly enough, by a Methodist pastor in the Northeast. Uh, but in any case, multi denominational front. They set a date for Jesus' coming in 1843, then reset it again for 1844. And for all of you that have any religious background going, wait, can anyone know the day and the hour of Jesus' return? (laughs) Ah, yeah, yeah, you're Mm -hmm. right. Uh, They were wrong. Uh, It collapsed, obviously, when, surprise, uh, the Lord did not return. And out of that came several different denominations for different reasons, and we're not getting into that history because I've already gone past 30 seconds, but the short of it is about the time of the American Civil War, Uh, One group that came out of that Millerite movement finally established the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, The name says primarily the two big things they were known for at the time. They believed in worshiping on the seventh day of the week versus the first. So Saturday versus Sunday, there's the seventh day. And then Advent, like Christmas that we just passed, think they're looking forward to the second Advent of Christ. And that started a movement that now has 22 million active members. I think there's more than that on the books, but that's on the books, and as we all know, books aren't necessarily accurate. So in any case, um, it's a worldwide church now, existing in all but I think 15 countries, at least officially. Uh, and we also yeah. we run the second largest private hospital system behind the Roman Catholic Communion. And are very active in private education, hospital
0: systems. I think we also have the second largest education system in the world uh, as well. I,
1: I, I believe so as well, as far as privately run. So uh yes. the church has been active, it has been involved, it has a history of being active in their communities. And you know, if you want to find out more, you sure you can find it. But just know that for today this is a established church which means something. Bum bum bum. It means bureaucracy and inertia and all the things you would expect, whether you called yourself Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, Presbyterian, you know, Jehovah's Witness, whatever. Um, Although, to be fair, I think Jehovah's Witnesses are a little... Anyway, point is, insert your name here and just begin to think, oh, this is going to be good. Yes. Go, Ryan.
0: Um, and one big caveat to understand this story well is that the Adventist church does have layers of its structure. And so pastors, for example, th- th- this is the part that's relevant. Pastors are not necessarily employed by their local church directly, uh, but are employed by one level of kind of uh, the next layer of of church structure, which is a conference, which typically covers about an area the size of a state. So think Florida conference, uh. Carolina conference is actually both Carolinas. Uh, so they, those regions though are, are, are similar in, in in size. And so the employment and a lot of stuff is handled at the conference level versus the local church level. Um, and that is an important caveat to this. So back in November, a story broke and it broke around the same time that I got married. And, um, and Henry, I think you were, were still away in, in jump school. Um, uh, yeah, I tail end of October. Fully remember, but yeah, um, but this story broke when we were on break, so we didn't cover it originally. But pastor, known as Doctor, because he does have a PhD, Doctor Burnett Robinson, who was the pastor of the Grand Concourse Seventh Day Adventist Church in the Bronx, New York, and he was a part of the, uh, I believe it was the Greater New York Conference, and he was during during a sermon which. We can't find. No one can find like the full sermon at this point. We can only find the one clip that was that was shared. Yes. I think it's been um, removed. Yeah he he shared a clip, or, or or he shared a in a moment of his sermon where he essentially said, and there's a trigger warning over all of this now. Yeah. Um, he basically said that if you know, if men, if you're going to, um. If you are going to, I would say to you, gentlemen, this is what he said. I would say to you, gentlemen, the best person to rape is your wife. Uh, now it has become legalized rape. And he was I there's no context in which that statement on its own, or, or like that that statement fits, that is correct. Unless the context is condemning the statement. Like I yeah. this is so <laughs> brain dead wrong that and inappropriate. And rightfully so went viral, uh, for all the, you know, wrong reasons. Yeah. Wrong and right reasons, which is accountability. Um, he, the, the greater New York conference, a few days later did, uh, release a statement that essentially said, we don't condone this. We're actually going to be increasing the education towards our pastors and, and, and all conference staff and, uh, and members. Uh, but, They released a statement also saying that Robinson deeply regrets the statement and knows it caused injury and has given an unqualified apology. The conference said that Robinson had been put on immediate administrative leave leave, but within a few days he then uh, was no longer employed by the conference. What I find interesting about this is you can definitely tell lawyers got involved because for them to say Robinson deeply regrets instead of Robinson, like he's the one that had the podium and in my opinion, he should have been the one to apologize and and, and the statement it? And also instead, come out after like the Washington Post picked this story up. Oh yeah, all of this happened after the video went viral. And there was one the the person who shared it is someone who is um Dr. Sarah McDougal, she's or not doctor, I'm sorry, Sarah McDougal. Um she is a licensed counselor and and works a lot in abuse recovery. She's a survivor of abuse herself. And a huge advocate in in for abuse awareness recognizing uh signs of abuse in your churches and she does a lot of training as well as counseling and she is we're actually I'll just link her stuff in in the show notes and episode description so you can check her out because she's great she's been on this show before um and she is a friend I I greatly respect the work that she does she's the one who when some members shared it with her she's the one who gave this kind of kicked this off as far as it's as far as its virality was concerned,
1: is, but is she in a comment one that, on the that, original, cut that little clip from the, she's not the one who cut the else. clip.
0: Someone okay. else, someone else sent it to her. Um, but it was her post, I think, that originally got all the eyes when yeah. when it did go go viral. And I would say there there was one comment that she, I believe, she had shared that a source, and she does work directly with a lot of church organizations. So I don't take this comment just as hearsay, but I I do remember her, seeing her say that. Uh, uh, up until it went viral, the the conference response was essentially that was really dumb. Don't do it again. And uh, a slap on the wrist. So the public accountability is what is what drove a kind of remorseful statement and then an apology from Robinson. But the reason we're bringing this up now is yeah. because... <laughs> Yeah, do you want to do you want to talk about what what happened uh, now? The reason we're doing it now? No, no,
1: no. You can still intro. I'm just going to say this. It's not that we. I want to preface it this by saying it's not that we turned a blind eye to it. There was just stuff going on in life, and and when it looked like he was out of employment, we were kind of like, well,
0: the situation resolved. Good. Uh,
1: It 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 resolved. We don't know all the particulars, but you know, pray for those that are hurting, and glad he doesn't have a platform to speak, or at least not in our church. And then, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, Ryan, keep going. This is why we're talking about it. Yep.
0: Uh, On, or in early January, uh, Pastor Robinson, now no longer employed, or uh, Dr. Robinson, uh, he showed up in a church event in at the conference office in Jamaica. Yeah, so he's uh, left the uh, country they, for this. So he's left the country for this in an interview with, I believe it was their conference president, um... And he goes off in this interview and talks about his experience. And And here is the, and we'll link to the clip in the show notes for you too. But he, he says that uh, he maintains that everything in the sermon was actually empowering to women and that his life has been woven around women. He describes the handful of women in his congregation as malicious, calling them the gang of five and blaming them for posting the clip. He defines the women who posted the sermon segment as agents of Satan seeking to harm him by posting his own words. Uh, I love that that that's a direct quote. All of this is a direct quote from Sarah McDougal's actual Facebook post where she summarizes the the clip itself. But you can see the clip as well. Uh, he derides his administrative leadership for going into a panic. and he says they pandered under pressure and did nothing. I did not get the defense of any of them is what he claimed. Um, and he claims he had already planned to retire and simply moved his retirement date forward. Uh, so he made a preemptive strike by choosing to retire early. What th- w- the way I read that and hear that is I chose to quit so they couldn't fire me. So I keep my benefits. That yeah. is the, that is quite literally all I see there. And to me, this, I mean, Henry, I don't know about you, but this really strikes me as someone who would give an unqualified apology for the statement that they so clearly regret making in their sermon and the position they took. I-,
1: I i mean, I see full evidence of that original statement released in New York at the time of his retirement, uh, where it said that he was so very sorry uh, for the hurt and pain that it was caused. and um, And I see it as a man that, true to principle, is standing for the rights, hopes, and ambitions of women by meticulously undermining and slandering them— and not even giving them human agency or even giving them names, and then leaving the country in his great wisdom and courage to therefore sit behind a computer screen and say they're garbage. Yes, yes, I see much apology and hope right here. Yep. And
0: I think— <laughs> That was sarcasm, by the way. Yeah. So let's be clear. This is this is dangerous and—, and- entirely inappropriate empowerment of someone who does not deserve to be on a platform at this point, who has ruined that privilege and and had that privilege um taken from them. In fact, the Greater New York conference was even quoted by, I believe, B.E.T. as saying, like, he won't be serving in any Seventh-day Adventist church. And I think the caveat to that is the only, the only Thing they have control over is whether he serves in a church in the Greater New York Conference. They don't have control of that outside of the conference. So correct that and, is a and, statement that they is,
1: removed his credentials, um, which, which gets into more of a bureaucratic standpoint. Yes. Yeah,
0: So it the problem with this on to, on top of the empowerment and enabling uh, within this part of church culture is that it means that the statement that the greater new york conference made there's there's kind of one of three possibilities either one this is the way that robinson always felt and so he lied about the apology in order to get in order to be able to retire instead of being fired number yeah. 2 the second possibility is that he um he lied or he did apologize and Didn't mean um it. Either didn't mean it, or no, no, he did apologize, and then now there's revisionist history, and he's like, no, you know what? I'm actually angry about this, and now he's kind of though his statement about making a preemptive strike by retiring early to me says that's not the case, but or three that the the conference lied about the apology altogether. I am more likely in the first camp of the apology itself being a lie, not the conference statement being a lie, right? Um, and I can see that conference leadership choosing or administration choosing to just go with it the second they had it because of um because of the legal protection too of and just be done with it they they want to be past it but it it casts a light on that because that's problematic uh and it's problematic because it really seems that they didn't take appropriate steps to educate him as to why this was inappropriate too i don't know what they did but it seems like there was really no nothing here again Uh, if you
1: retire what to a certain extent yeah Power do they have? They can't compel the individual to go do anything. Yep. Um,
0: yep. um This to is to add just, to the list. I,
1: what also bothers me is not just that side of it. What bothers me is now there is another church entity. Yep. Right. So we're all supposed to be part of one big world church, and you would think there was certain cooperation or something. In other words, uh, let me give the benefit of the doubt. The president of the Jamaican conference or North Jamaican conference or more North Jamaican union, whichever one it is. I, I forget. I, I'm not as up to our structure elsewhere, but for the, there is no way they couldn't have even done a five minute Google search and known mm-hmm. anything about what transpired. I mean, they would have had to have it know enough to either in, I mean, to invite this person on this program. Cause I don't think he like yeah. went around the world trying to find who would put him on, but maybe he did. I don't know. But to invite him onto an official church program, because I think this is like a program that this president, on behalf of the church in Jamaica, hosts once a week, pretty regularly, something like that. So you're using church resources. Yeah, it's a
0: North Jamaica Conference.
1: Okay, North Jamaica Conference. So you're using church resources to give a platform to someone that another entity in the church has removed, or at least allowed to cease employment, and then... You give him that program not to figure out repentance or to talk about, you know, the wounding of whatever and why this was inappropriate, but you basically give a platform for this individual to do revisionist history and then further attack and maim and harm women in ways that—this was the irony of it, right? I Again, there's no context, like you said, in which the statement, if there's anyone you're going to rape, rape your wife, is appropriate— but if he wanted to argue somehow, well, this is out of context in biblical marriage or whatever. Now he's moved on from rape of the wife to women are agents of Satan. Don't get me started on that theology, right? Which is not unique to Adventism. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the wider Western Christian world and their headship theology and bad views about women. We talked about this some in the Duggar episodes. Um but You give him a platform that seemingly then is endorsed also by the president. You watch the clip, and he seems only too supportive of everything coming out of this guy's mouth. It's not like the guy's saying this stuff, and then the president's like, whoa, okay, Uh, yeah, no, we're done. No, he's just kind of like, whatever. This bugs me because so much, either about a breakdown in the bureaucratic system a breakdown in the individuals in question. And again, I don't know them. It'd be really easy for me to go and be like, off with the North Jamaican conference president's head, like he needs to quit. Uh, And that Mm. might be the clip somebody all of a sudden decides to cut out of this. But in context, my point is I I don't know, but I do know on what planet is it right to offer the interview, comma, with me not knowing everything, if once the interview starts, it's this guy – giving all this drobble and gross slime, and then you not only air it, because I don't think it was live, or if it was, you leave it No, up. it was
0: live. They do, they do That's regular right. live That's, streams. It's the,
1: it's the live on Facebook. That's right. Um, but you don't do anything to distance yourself from it. Don't do anything to counteract it and seemingly put the church's stamp of approval on it, which is not only undermining to the denomination as a whole. I think it's a disservice to the Greater New York Conference that got rid of him, or allowed him to step down. So now you're we're like murdering each other on the same boat. And you know, I I just this is bad. It's just absolutely bad and unacceptable. I don't know what they were thinking, how anybody was thinking. If they have some sort of communications director, they were either on acid or not involved or or whatever because I don't know how they allow this to go online. And and so far yeah. I've heard nothing in response to this, this is why we wanted to talk about it. We're like, wait, what? You just platformed this guy, and everybody's like, oh, whatever.
0: And that was no. the entire. Which tells me that that's what they exactly what they intended to do. And I bet you, I'm actually scrolling through their Facebook right now to see if they, um, if they have left it up, and uh, can't fully tell if they if they have or not. But the, to me, this also speaks of the danger of how manipulative people can be uh, when people are like, like. He showed his true colors and he shows what he's willing to believe. And then he did it again on this platform. And yet there are still places that he's going to be able to go to be able to share what he believes and to spread toxicity in, in this way. And this is the exact kind of thing that contributes to ongoing abuse, harassment, silencing of women in our churches. It's the exact thing that keeps them in um, with a glass ceiling over their head of only being able to go so far and only be able to do... You know so much in the church it it perpetuates every single problematic part of a patriarchal church structure and in, in church society and it is it's disgusting on Burnett Robinson like that that's like the easy part of like of this episode is condemning what he's said and done and what he's doing but he is not the only person that has gotten away with something like this
1: yeah and, and this and this shows massive loopholes in the bureaucracy of a world church uh that you could drive a truck yep. through. Um, because, and the, and this is not the only incident that we've seen. And again, this isn't like, wow, 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 bash the, the thing, but I mean, it's just relevant to the topic too often. I've seen once the lawyers get involved, once the church bureaucracy decides it has to start moving, they always seemingly default to giving the best possible outcome to the victimizer than the victim. Mm. And, 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 Whether it's intentional or not, they allow certain loopholes to give platform and okay kind of parachute landings to these people. So for example, this might be a little nerdy insight into the workings of the church that needs to be understood. When they allowed him to retire, greater New York, now we're backing up to the initial incident. The way our system is, you would think, okay, he retires, he gets his benefits, but there is one key benefit that's not considered retirement that he got to hold on to that I think impacts this. That's bu- bugging me. In our system, because this is not, the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is not one that's a bunch of, ind- it's not a loose coalition of independent churches, okay? So say something like, if you're in the Western world, you might, or in North America, you might be more in- noticeable of Southern Baptist churches you know, kind of systems where the Mm -hmm. individual church runs basically everything, and they just are loosely associated with the denomination for theological purposes and mission. Um, This is much more where, as we said before, the pastors are all employed by the denomination, and I think there's some benefits to that, and that's a different topic for another time, but the point is the credentialing of them. In other words, there's licenses and ordinations that take place, so basically something that The denomination does to say this person is trained, this person has a right to speak for the church, this person has a right to act on the church's behalf in certain things. We have this kind of system, and there's been debates in our church about women and being ordained and all those other stuff, different issues, but the point is... uh, I would assume, I believe, this pastor is ordained. He'd been in the church long enough, he'd probably gone through the system. He's received an ordination credential, and what that means from a church perspective in our global church is that once someone is ordained, because this is not independent churches, it's a global church, once an individual is ordained, they have the right to fulfill the duties of a pastor in two unique ways. One, they can operate anywhere in the world church with that ordination. If you're licensed, you can only operate in the entity that's licensed you. So if he's ordained, that means he can go to Jamaica, he could go to Russia, he could go wherever, and he technically has the right to baptize, preach, teach, open, close churches, etc., cetera, uh, as he wishes, okay? And the second thing, um, right, is that he can do all of that even if not employed by the church, so mm-hmm. an entity of the church. So he doesn't have to be on the payroll to do this. So when he retired, it did two things. He not only got to keep his benefits, but he keeps his ordination credential, which allows other entities, whether knowingly or unknowingly, like it's interesting to me this happened outside of the country because it might be a teeny bit harder to see, but okay, again, come on, Google. Right? He could go to a Jamaica, he could go to Spain, he could go to wherever, and if they're not really in the know about what you did in another part of the world field, you can just show that credential and be like, I'm a pastor, I'm in good standing, or else I wouldn't still have this thing. And let me preach, let me go back into my career, let me do whatever. And and it gives an excuse for people like North Jamaica Conference, again, I'm not giving them as much excuse because Google, I mean, you know, but uh, to turn around and go, well, he's still a pastor, what were we supposed to do about it? And and, and this is what angers me, there should have been either some sort of censure or rem- uh, maybe not initially, okay, let me, let me phrase it this way. Maybe not initially, maybe he lied to them, he's apologetic, whatever. But now especially that we're seeing, there seems to be no contrition, no recognition of wrong. Uh, in fact, now a campaign to go harm other women and defend nobody but himself, those credentials need to be gone. He does not need to have the official endorsement of the church anywhere. If he wants to go running around the globe, trashing women, he can do it without the official premier of the church as a function, which means now um, unions, which is a level above these conferences that are involved in that. I mean, I have no shame in saying, and it's kind of weird to say because I'm employed by the church and they might not like this, but someone needs to haul in before a union and either temporarily remove those or remove those ordination credentials. This is unacceptable. Until he gets help, he needs to stop getting given a platform by the church to harm other people.
0: Yeah. Well, and there I do want to be fair to churches in other countries or church leaders in other countries when when something like this happens, just because it's viral in America does not mean it's viral everywhere. And if someone does have ordination, no one's checking, no one's calling their conference and saying, hey, is this person okay? Is there any reason why we shouldn't? That's never that just doesn't happen because the ordination is supposed to serve as that kind of official stamp of approval. But the, the, it'd be one thing if this interview wasn't about this at all. And he was just there to talk about ministry or, or in general or Or at a local church. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it'd be different if this was like a local area where it's not very likely they would know about this. I can understand where a church invites a pastor to preach or do something, not having any clue. Yes about about what happened and to north jamaica's credit at least they removed the live stream i can't find any record of it it skips from january 5 to january 8 and this was on january 7 that, that the the stream actually took place um i know but, but the, this is they High intentionally interviewed him about this, yep. and intentionally
1: interviewed him about the topic that had happened, so that's that's what I'm saying there's no yep. this isn't like oops, they didn't know. let's give them a little bit of a pass this is there's no way they didn't
0: know, yeah, and right? that's that's the di- that's what I'm trying to get to is like that's the difference here. It'd be one thing if it was some local church randomly that that wouldn't realistically know about this, but this is way too close to the u s. Too many people know about it. And he was specifically given a platform to talk about his perspective of it. And they never pushed back on it. Nope. It, it is, it, it I is, I mean, I'd be mad if an an I was the president
1: clip. of, the, of the, the Greater New York Conference. I'd be furious because this is now yeah. your contemporary somewhere else sticking it to you. So you're not helping yep. them get out of legal liability either or deal with the trauma that they've been left with because he left his church. It's still there in that conference.
0: I mean, and there's still, yeah, there's, as far as I know, I can't find any statements about this. If there were any, I'm sure there were phone calls made and emails sent, you know, emails exchanged and meetings happen, but there's nothing about this that says we regret this. We're sorry. It looks like they just deleted the live stream to do the, the less than the bare minimum to remove it. And even then it was just probably to remove it to avoid the, you know, the terrible comments and we don't want people continually taking, taking these things out of context and, it is a, this is a disgusting interview. Uh, and the fact that it was platformed like this is, is even even more disgusting to me. Like I said, um. oh, this is, yeah, okay, I forgot about this. He did say during the conference interview, this is what Robinson said, no man has the right to rape neither his wife nor anyone. Rape is a crime. It's criminal. And yes, a man can rape his wife because sex must be mutual consent. If she says no, let it be no. So he makes that comment of yes, a man can rape his wife. It's not like approving. He's just saying like it, yeah. like literally it's possible because it requires mutual consent. If that's really what he believes then why did he say the other thing and why was this so difficult to apologize for? Like but what and he's na- doing is saying they misunderstood me. It's their fault. Yeah. This is this is gaslighting. It's all mm-hmm. in your head that what you think I did is wrong. Um it, this is all on you, not me. I didn't do anything. And now you've ruined my ministry because of it. That to me is is disgusting. And, and the now going to go out and ruin five other people that I didn't even know about before this.
1: Who knows yep. who in the world they are. Um, and crush them because on, I'm going out, so I'm taking people out with me.
0: On top of the fact that we already are dealing with in our church a growing division between uh, different parts of, of our global church of differences in opinion, um, in many cases, differences of theology and difference in policy, uh, as as all of those relate to it, and and what policies extend out to the to the global church, and things like this do nothing to help unify because it literally is this is what happened, and this is what it does is it paints his victimization as a as a product of Western civilization and Western culture, and this idea of cancel culture, and you know all of this stuff. That and and it further stereotypes people or further stereotypes America and Western civilization against parts of the world that may view us differently and that we've already have been having troubles building more positive relationships with in order to work through some of the significant issues that we have to deal with. So people who only hear Robinson's side, that's that's all there. It, like that just perpetuates all of this. Like it continually and there are layers and layers on top of. We could get into. We're not going to because partially we don't fully understand it but there are significant cultural layers to to what what factors contribute to them platforming him like this and there are theological stuff that that are you know theological errors that lead to it as well and to me the thing that i struggle with in all of this is I have a video on my YouTube channel that I posted a year and a half ago, I think. Yeah, it was about a year, year, a little over a year ago, where I basically said, hey, Dave Ramsey is not someone that we should be endorsing or following, and read an article where he called minimum wage workers or low wage workers a a $8 an hour twerps, on top of the other slew of things that, that he has done. But none of... I would say that and argue that none of the things that I've seen him do or or not I've seen but the, that we've seen in the news that that he has reportedly done to me are as bad as stuff like this. They're bad, but they're not as bad as stuff like this and yet when he makes a comment about $8 an hour turps that was enough for me to be like see we shouldn't we shouldn't be a part of this. And yet this stuff happens in my church and I think man I'd leave other organizations for far less than this. Mm -hmm. So why am I still Adventist? And ultimately that's the, that's the question that's causing a lot of people to leave in, in our age group, especially is like, I don't need, all it takes is me to find out that like some, some company is using child labor in, in the production of their clothing. And no, I, I don't buy clothing there anymore. And yet this is which good luck finding companies that, that don't, that aren't like fully locally made. Um, and then this stuff happens. And I know that in commerce and in, in the market in general, it, there's to some degree, it's almost impossible to avoid some form of unethical business practices and labor, labor practices that contribute to this. But man, uh, that's a hard question to ask is, why do I stay when I was willing to leave other things for so much less than this? And I That's something I'd love to talk about and discuss. Uh, I don't know, Henry, what your initial thoughts are, if that's something that you've you've asked yourself, but that is something to me that is a critical question to be able to answer.
1: I mean, I I definitely agree on it being a critical question, and I would be remiss if I didn't say that there are many times, and, and it sometimes grows as time goes by, where I'm torn between a message that I believe in and an institution that supposedly is shepherding it that is fast going down the garbage disposal. Um, and, and you're right. I think that would be an interesting discussion to have. Now, admittedly, I'll just be fully transparent with people. It is it is a somewhat nervous one to have in a online setting like this. I'm not saying I wouldn't have it. Uh, but uh, just to be fair, people are like, yeah, well, why don't you have it? And if we don't have it for some reason for the next several months, just recognize there's a lot that goes into it too, um, Ryan's a teeny bit spoiled now in, in this regard, but when you're employed by the very thing you're now taking a bat to, um, it it puts you in a very unique position. And that is kind of selfish, and I admit it right off the bat, because obviously I eat and keep a roof over my head and I take care of my family with it. And so I get totally why people just roll over and don't have that conversation. So that, that's kind of an aside. I, I, it is one that needs to be had, because I struggle with it more and more. Like, I, I just... I make no shame about it. I love the Seventh Day Adventist message. The institution has even personally burned me more than once, and it becomes extremely hard when other people affected in those same situations walk away. And I totally get why they do. And then they look at you and go, "Well, I, why are you still there? Right? Are are you supporting that then, or do you? Are you a coward? Or you? You know? So I, I'm with you there." It is a struggle, and that's another reason why we're trying to be honest and having this conversation in a public setting when garbage does happen. Uh, we don't want to just be known as the people like, yeah, it's easy to poke at everybody else, because sometimes I think that's the defense mechanism. We just say everybody else is worse, so then I feel good about staying. No, we're we're all in this sinking boat in the sense that Western Christianity has corrupted itself and, and taken a lot more interest in in being American or, or being Western than being biblical, and that's another topic for another time that we've alluded to yep. in some of our Christian nationalism conversations and, and, and whatnot. Uh, but as a whole, to swing it back to this topic, I, I, I think recognizing you're right, I don't know everything, and recognizing, like you just said, that there are some cultural issues probably at play, um, and there's a whole lot of weeds we could be digging through and get sidetracked on over this issue. But in short, I think what makes me more confident to be angry and and vocal about this is that you can strip all of that away and still have a very basic, glaring bad that I think there are ways you can quickly address. Uh, The queer bad is no matter why, whatever, one entity of the church in one country had someone cease being employed by it for things they did that were hurtful. The similar entity in another country then platforms this individual to specifically talk about the harm that was caused and then seemingly endorses a revisionist, angry, further violating viewpoint on it. And there's just silence. Yeah. And to me, then on an administrative bureaucratic level, this means something. This shows a lack of contrition, Maybe there was then, but I don't know if it was over consequences or whatever. But the point is, they're obviously not contrite now. They're obviously not living a gospel-centered way of addressing this in any sort of framework that the church would agree to theologically, no matter where it was. And now he is using privileges the church has given him ecclesiastically to seemingly accomplish this mission. Which tells me you're right. It doesn't work for the church anymore. I can't go in and like re-fire him, and I can't whatever. But there are certain things the church can still do, and I think one of those is remove his ordination. Yeah. Period. Or or, or, or I mean, I don't. We don't really have a process for suspending it temporarily, but, but something he needs to, if nothing else, to protect our fellow brothers and sisters in the world church, like individual churches that may have no clue what happened and are going to give platform to this guy to seemingly possibly either hurt women there in his effort to hurt nameless women over here. The point is, I guess we can't trust these other entities to either invest in it or no, or that's a loophole that the bureaucrats need to fix. But at least in this particular case, uh, letting him retire and keep his benefits – didn't help anything. And I'm sure legally we can't go back and take his retirement, but the church has every right to ordain and credential who it will and who it won't. And I think now it's proven yeah. that until he gets help, he doesn't need to have the official endorsement of the church in retirement or in active employment.
0: So deal with it. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with with all of that. And, and even in response to my own question, the ultimate reason that I'm still a Seventh-day Adventist is because I believe it. Like that, that's just the the bottom line is of, it's because it's tied to my literal beliefs about God, his relationship to the world and what that means. And so because of that, where else do I go, right? Where else do I go that, that I can find community among people that, that believe similarly to me and do life together with them? And without going out of bitterness, starting my own thing or, or, you know, trying to, to break off that way out of, out of spite because I don't want to build a community purely out of spite to the thing I left. Um, but throughout my time, especially in, in working in youth ministry, which I'm no longer, as, as Henry alluded to no longer actively pastoring, but I was employed by the church for, for a number of years. And I graduated from an Adventist university with a degree in theology with pastoral prep in mind. And, uh, and by the way, he didn't do that,
1: anything wrong. That's not why he's not working for the church anymore. Correct. In light I just of his context, choices, yeah. we should probably yeah, state we should that. probably specify
0: <laughs> that. Um, but in my time doing ministry, I've I've people have come to me saying, "I live in this small town where this church is either a dying church or it's toxic." I've been, my family's gone here for years. It's toxic and it's hurting me. Um, but there's this other church that I've seen that is you know just a Baptist church or non denominational or something, and and they're they're like, "Great, I, it's a great church." I've gone once with friends and it's amazing. Whatever, and I'm like, "Look." They end up torn, believing they need to stick it out here versus the other, and and what that tension is. And I'm like, look, if one is actively damaging your relationship with Jesus Christ, and one is encouraging it, then I would rather Jesus protect your faith in one outside of the denomination than have it be destroyed by people inside. And I've th- that's just the bottom line. And I've never I am with you in understanding why people have left over things, and I and my line is different from someone else's line. If someone has an, a history tied to that, tied to marital rape and abuse, I can understand why they wouldn't want anything to do with a denomination where a pastor ordained by the denomination would say that. And who knows how many times he's said it before. I there's no fault in I I don't find a fault in that. It because you need to go where you are safe. And if you don't feel safe somewhere, I understand it. Um but I also agree with with you here in saying this is one or a few entities. And yes, this does happen in a lot more places. This place was just the live streamed incident. Uh, this happens in other churches for sure. Just look at the fall of quite literally any megachurch pastor, uh, and several pastors just in general, there's a pastor in Georgia that was just accused or, or arrested for false imprisonment for running a, uh, or false, yeah, false imprisonment for essentially kidnapping and running He claimed
1: to be a pastor and he wasn't, but-
0: Yes, but there's, I mean, that's, that's just the bottom. You have it everywhere. Of every belief system, you have people who abuse their religion in order to feed their narcissism, feed their ego, and gain power over others. That's just the bottom line wherever you go. And you'll find it outside of belief systems too. The difference is that at that point, they're just using people and using what they know to manipulate people in order, in order to do that. It's just the tools are different, but the person is the same. So I, to me, the reason I stay is ultimately I believe what I believe. And there's no other way, there's no other place I go that has that ultimate expression. And so I am, and there are quite a few Adventists that go through their entire lives never having to interact with the system on a grand scale anyway, mm-hmm. and everything is just fine. So I I think that's important to keep in mind. And I think it's an interesting conversation to have, and I think this would be an open call to anyone who has had similar experiences or who's struggled with and wrestled with that question themselves. I would love to have them on and have you on and and to talk about your experience and to listen and, and learn. I hope that Henry and I have demonstrated some form of attitude that that is evidence that we're not going to. There's no condemnation from us one way or the other. I think we can be honest when we disagree and do so respectfully. Uh, so I would love to hear good, bad ugly, whatever whatever kind of experiences you have, let us know, either reaching out through the show notes or comments if you're watching the YouTube stream of this. Uh, all of that helps us and, and helps us create quality content that can help other people too. And if your story can be helpful for someone else, that's some of the best meaning I've found from some of the worst things that have happened to me. So um, that's an open call to anyone, really. We'd, we'd love to, to connect with you. But um Henry any any final thoughts from you on this or is there any other thing that you want to talk about before we close out
1: Uh just I again I thank everybody for always listening to us working through some of this cuz you get it's kind of a weird world we live in that we can thought process some of this with a lot of people watching Um and so sometimes that's good and sometimes that can the rawness of that can either not come across as we'd like or or, or further wound so we apologize and I apologize if you know, any kind of righteous anger or seemingly unrighteous anger or whatever. Um, it's further traumatized anyone in that conversation. Uh, and thank you for being patient with us. Obviously as we're even grappling out loud with like Ryan was saying, you know, where's that line individually uh, in a in a world where we're realizing just how more interconnected we are. you know, you can't just be a silo unto yourself and 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 probably just final thing I would say is maybe some of the anger to this even in me, Is my own baggage with with things that I've experienced from the institutionalized church, for sure. But also, I'll also be fair, I just finished—I was a little late to the party. I just finished going through, like, all 14 hours of the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast from Christianity Mm. Today. And I just finished that right as we had chosen to talk about this topic— and for those of you who have no clue what that is, uh, that's talking about Mark Driscoll and the rise and fall of the Mars Hill Church in Seattle. Uh, he was kind of big in, in evangelical Christianity for a while there. Uh, it's a great podcast, by the way. I know there's some people who are like, well, you didn't really offer any solutions or tell us anything new. At least for me, it was kind of some new information, uh, and it was helpful to me. I, I think it's worth hearing for sure, so go You know, they didn't ask for this. They're not paying us. But go check out Christianity Today's Rise and Fall of of Mars Hill podcast, because I think it deals with some of the issues that maybe—they kind of hint on this from another denominational perspective. This isn't me trying to deflect and be like, oh, look, it's not Adventist. So go look over there. Um, But I'm just saying, I I remember finishing that feeling kind of despondent and angry. And then we were like, oh, look what's happening in our own church. And I was like, really? So anyway, thank you for letting us kind of work through this. Um, and and giving us a platform because it wasn't fun and we're still wrestling with it but uh, and I also want to thank Ryan on air too because you know he brought up he's like you know we need to be fair to our listeners and let them know that we're not just pointing fingers everywhere that you know we want to be we're trying our best to be fair across the board and I said yeah let's do this um, so we felt like we needed to do it now and maybe because of that there was other things I even needed to work through before we did but uh, I'm glad we've had this yeah. conversation so thanks for putting up with us
0: yeah, absolutely. I you know, I will co-sign your your recommendation for the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I think also the first two episodes give a great history and context for the rise of the megachurch movement in general that I I learned a lot in those steps. Mm-hmm. And Mark Driscoll is a great example of of the fall of leadership that doesn't come from some specific catalyst of a of a of like one very obvious blatant scandal, but rather yeah. is a lot of things that are a lot more obscure and harder to prove from a you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, even though yeah, I know that's and a legal more thing. more damaging. But, <laughs> yes. And that's that's it's it's looking at an aggregate of things rather than just the one specific catalyst. And I think that's a really important yeah. thing to 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 learn about. So I co-sign that absolutely and props um, to CT and,
1: by the way totally nerd moment, but their intro is one of the best podcast intros I've heard ever. I love uh, when that. you partner
0: with King's Kaleidoscope <laughs> who came out of Mars Hill
1: yeah, uh, that's yeah,
0: the, the subtlety there is not lost. Nope, not at all. Um, yes, I and thank you for the kind words, Henry. We do believe in trying to be, I mean, there was an episode where I said something really stupid in the middle of the episode, apologized to, for it profusely throughout the rest of the episode and kept it in because that's integrity to us. Yeah, we can edit out mistakes, but if we're just editing, if we're trying to make ourselves look better than we are or our behavior, we're trying to hide it, bad behavior rather than just editing out uh like a like an error or like an actual factual thing or something then yeah that's that's not integrity to me and so i believe that's important and we want to do so with the, with the topics that we cover. So thank you everyone for being on the journey with us. If you want more, if you want to know more about the Adventist church, as if this was some sort of good advertisement for it. uh, (laughs) uh, But if you want to talk to us about it, we're open to just conversations. It's not like you have to come on the show to talk to us. So, you know, you can just reach out and we would love to have, I've had several conversations with people before about any number of things. And I'm so grateful for the listeners that we've connected with. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for listening, for being a part of this, this journey with us. We, we love you and appreciate you and, and the time that you've given us as well. And, and the role that you've allowed us to play in your lives, even if just for the duration of our episodes. So thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you next week.